Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. It's uh, 410 here in the station in Pittston, 62 degrees with sun and clouds outside. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Well, I, I was going to talk about this this hour. Jim Jordan not calling a vote for a third time for Speaker of the House. That has since changed. He will be calling for a third vote for Speaker, uh, which is breaking news in itself. But I have even more breaking news um, that should concern us all especially as a Navy father of two active duty uh, naval officers. The United States Navy destroyer in the Red Sea shoots down cruise missiles fired by Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen, as per the Pentagon. The USS Kearney, a Navy destroyer in the Red Sea, encountered multiple missiles launched by Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen today and fired its own missiles in response. It's unclear from where the Houthi militia missiles were fired, but they were headed in a northerly direction, an official said. The USS Kearney intercepted three land attack cruise missiles and about eight drones, Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder said later at this press briefing. The preliminary U.S. assessment is that the USS Kearney was not the target of any of the Houthi missiles or drones. Information about the engagement is still being processed, Ryder said. We cannot say for certain what these missiles and drones were targeting, but they were launched from Yemen, heading north along the Red Sea, potentially to targets in Israel. No sailors aboard the ship were harmed, the official says. The incident occurred during an early evening hours Thursday local time, and the missiles were taken down over water, not land, the Pentagon said. The missiles fired by the Houthis were engaged by SM-2 missiles carried aboard the USS Kearney, an official said. This is a developing story. That's all the updates I have now. But it appears that the USS Kearney, one of our Navy destroyers, United States Navy destroyer, currently in the Red Sea, encountered multiple missiles launched by Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen today. Now they're saying that... uh, Three land attack cruise missiles and eight drones were engaged by the USS Kearney. This takes this up a notch now. Now, it's a defensive posture. Thankfully, they weren't stupid enough to target United States assets. But it goes to hold true that what what, uh, this administration and what the president said and what our Department of Defense has said that if there's any outside engagement, the Navy will not hesitate to respond to defend Israel. Well, we just did today, hours ago. Our United States Navy firing multiple rockets to uh, defend. And I'm sure as this gets broken down later by the intelligence experts, the trajectory of those missiles, the drones, where they were headed, But you have to realize that we have multiple naval assets in this area. We have multiple marine assets in this area. We have another carrier battle group in route, which should get there sometime midweek next week. 
placing more targets in this area. But these targets are well defended and know how to defend themselves. So that's breaking news from the Middle East right now that a United States Navy destroyer in the Red Sea engaged cruise missiles fired by Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen, as per the Pentagon. And this is just breaking news that came at uh, 4 o'clock today, was just posted. So uh, interesting times, and this is definitely what we as Americans did not want to see, but we have assets there for specifically this reason. To go back to uh, what I was going to talk about, and the headline up until 20 minutes ago was that Representative Jordan was not calling for a third vote for Speaker. Now, he was not withdrawing his name from the Speakership, but he was not going to call for another vote at this time. And there was a lot of talk about giving extra powers to the Speaker pro temp that's there now so they can get some business done. I think this act right now where a United States destroyer just engaged Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen in the Middle East could have possibly changed what's going on there, but the the speaker vote will happen now, after all. After um, House Republicans rejected Jim Dor- Jordan twice, it appears he'll face a third-floor vote, and uh, although timing is not clear yet. But like I said, as of 20 minutes ago, there, this vote was not going to happen. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm reading the headlines as it's coming out now. He needs to get 217 votes to win the gavel. And as of earlier today, he did not have that. But they're saying now that uh, after a closed-door meeting with the Republicans, Jordan said that the House will vote again on his speaker bid for a third time. When asked about timing, he said he wanted to talk to the holdouts who were opposing him before moving forward. Whatever direction they take in the House, it needs to be settled now, especially now that we have our military assets engaging in self-defense, engaging in the defense of Israel if these missiles and drones were headed there. But think about the last time that a Navy asset, a Navy destroyer, had to fire to defend itself, other U.S. interests, or an ally. It's been a while. Well, it just happened today, hours ago. So we're going to we're going to have to keep an eye on this. Now, I got a lot of text messages. Welcome to World War Three, World War Three, Rob. No, I don't think so. That's why I think specifically our ships, hopefully our ships were not targeted. Um, you know, the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen. Our, our administration, our government, the United States, said that if any outside entity, be it Lebanon, be it Yemen or Iran, attempt to get involved with this, we are going to take action. Well, we just did today. We lived up to that promise. That's a good thing. But could this easily escalate? Yes, it could easily escalate. Now, our our military has standing rules of engagement. But without a functioning house that can authorize a use of force, 
there are limitations. We have to take that extremely seriously. Our members of Congress needs to take this extremely seriously. You need to call your members of Congress, call their Washington office, call their local office. Local offices well, may still be open, but the Washington offices will be. And leave a message and tell them to get a Speaker of the House in there now because there's a good possibility we're going to need an authorization of force. We don't currently have one. We've had a standing one for years because of the Afghan conflict that has since expired. And again, our military has standing rules of engagement. They can defend themselves. But as far as taking offensive action, we're going to have to see. And again, and these are known Iranian-backed entities, supporters of terrorists, the world's greatest supporter of terrorism right now. And just engaged with our United States Navy. And again, we don't know a lot right now. It's limited breaking news. But uh, this could be the es escalation we didn't want. So we're going to have uh, to see what's going on. Iran is not, a, not the simple ally, but if you look back in the past, you know, when Iraq went into Kuwait, you know, they were what? The world's fourth, fourth largest army? And within hours, we had them under control. It's a little different. Actually, it's a lot different. We have the assets in the scene. We have the training. And you can see how we can successfully successfully defend ourselves and our partners in the region. But, you know, the reason I'm taking my time saying this, I'm reading all the breaking news I'm seeing. I'm checking the military assets that I have to find information out, especially in the Navy, to find out if there's anything further on this. But, you know, so far it was a successful intercept by our destroyer in that area and uh this definitely steps this us up a notch but for the crew of the uss carney for the skipper of the uss carney you know godspeed for you guys and the rest of the crew of the ships that are with you and watch you six dangerous area dangerous times there are definitely people in this world who want to kill americans and a lot of them are located around the Red Sea and Mediterranean. So we definitely have our American sons and daughters, fathers and wives in harm's way right now. We need to realize that when terrorist sympathizers want to march in cities like New York and Chicago and Washington, we need to realize that. It's 421 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Well, here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon, partly sunny, high 63. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild, low 53. Friday, showers possible in the afternoon, high 63. Saturday, spotty showers and becoming breezy in the afternoon, high 59. Dipping down on Sunday, Sunday, partly sunny, windy at times with that cold front moving in. A few sprinkles possible, high 50. It's currently uh, 62 degrees and mostly cloudy here at 422 
at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. Again, we have some breaking news out of the Red Sea where a U.S. Navy destroyer shot, shot down uh, uh, cruise missiles fired from the Houthis in Yemen, the Iran-backed Houthis, rebels that are funded and, and trained and supplied by the Iranian regime. So we'll see where this goes. If I get any more updates on it, we will. The other breaking news was there was, supposed, there was not supposed to be a third vote for the Speaker of the House for Jim Jordan. As of just a half hour ago, now they're saying that they are going to have a third vote for Jim Jordan for the Speaker of the House. But who knows when that's going to happen or what time. And and I'm sure this new information coming out of the Red Sea and the Pentagon on a USS destroyer engaging Iranian rebels will change the dynamic of uh, Joe Biden's speech tonight at 8 o'clock, which we will be covering live here on WILK News Radio. Let's go to the uh, the phones. Again, you can call or text at 570-883-0098. I really want to hear from you guys out there. Again, that's 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Joe from the Back Mountain. Joe. Yeah, how you doing? Okay. Uh, I, I was kind of anticlimactic after the report you just gave, but I, you know, when you said uh, you are in this, uh, what Fetterman said about back in Israel, I, I just don't trust the guy. I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but AOC, Elon Omar, these people backpedal and they see which way the political winds are blowing and then they make a statement. Uh, if they were so smart, how come we never hear any, any uh, options out of their mouths or ideas to help the country? They're in there for years, and I don't hear anything. It's crickets. Well, I agree there, Joe. I agree there, but, you know, John Fetterman did not post anything other than this, and we still have yet to hear from Senator Casey at all to denounce, you know, what these squad members have said. I mean, they waited, uh, it's been a week already before they they made a statement. Well, his statement is specifically on the hospital bombing that just took place, what, two days ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, anybody with any kind of rationality would say, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Listen, Israel has enough missiles and firepower. They could level all of Gaza in that regard all at once. I mean, if they really wanted to unleash. They've been very strategic, okay, and they admit that. They're not denying that they're firing missiles, but they said we're being strategic. And, and if they want I, – I wouldn't put it past Hamas to level their own hospital to get world sympathy and create a world world conflagration, like you're talking about with Iran back to these firing missiles just now. This doesn't surprise me. A matter of fact, I kind of expect it, you know, that there's going to be other bad players out there trying to ramp this thing up. But, uh, you know, I have a hard time with people like AOC, Fetterman. You know, I, I there's just something – very suspicious about them waiting a week to say anything and that you know i'd I'd rather they just stay quiet you know don't 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 lie to me you know no no i get you i get you and just because i support him just because i support him on what he posted here to outright challenge these individuals because like i said senator casey a lot of members of congress have been cowards when it comes to denouncing them senator Fetterman surprisingly wasn't one of them yeah, well, Casey, you know, you never hear anything out of Casey. I mean, I never see any. Uh, uh, once in a while, I see something in the paper about Casey's, you know, working on this or that legislation. 
but it's usually something that expands the size of the government or increases the program. I, you know, I, I want, what I really wanted to talk about was the parallels between anti-Semitism and Trump derangement syndrome. Don't you think most people are jealous of, of, of the Israelis because they're so productive? Uh, there's a lot of business going on over there in this little tiny corner of the desert of the world, okay? There's a lot of technology and a lot of innovation going on. Uh, these people are very productive and industrious and very smart. And they were letting a lot of Palestinians, because there are a lot of brilliant Palestinian people that worked in Israel, okay? And the, the, this economy is so small, but yet so productive. It's amazing. Well, and you, you know what's hated? You know what they hate most about the Israelis and the Jewish population as a whole, even here in America, why there's so much anti-Semitism? It's their value of the family, the family structure, the nuclear family. That's uh, what they dislike about that. They are very tight-knit. They take care of their own. They hold their own responsible. You know, That's what disturbs people like that because they, they're just enemies of the nuclear family. They're, evid they're enemies of a successful family, a mom and dad, you know, holding kids accountable, you know, helping their kids, raising their kids, disciplining their kids. You know, if you look at your society as a whole, you know, let's not spank our kids anymore. Let's give them timeouts. Let's not even give them timeouts anymore because that's rude. Let's just let them do what they want to do. They'll learn their find their way on their own. It's the nuclear family. And you know what? The Jewish community is very tight with the nuclear family, Joe. And we're going to have to leave well, it there because I'm up against the sense. I'm okay, up against the time. time. Thank you, Joe. Great. It's uh, 432 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4.38 here in the station in Pittston, 61 degrees and mostly cloudy. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 64 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Two of them from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off with Patrolman Spiro and Galanidis. Monessen City Police Department in Pennsylvania, 1973, was struck and killed by a driver of a stolen vehicle while directing traffic at a high school football game. We have Police Officer Ronald D. Seymour of the Belfonte Borough Police Department in Pennsylvania, 1971. Police Officer Ronald Seymour was shot and killed by a man who had been served an injunction by the county sheriff to stop operating an illegal garbage dump earlier in the day. The man became enraged and threatened to kill law enforcement officers as he drove by Officer Seymour and an auxiliary officer as they were directing traffic at the intersection of Allegheny Street at High Street. He opened fire on them, killing Officer Seymour and seriously wounding the auxiliary officer. Officer Seymour had arrested the suspect the previous day for assault and battery resulting from an argument about the dump. The man was arrested a short time later, 50 miles away on I-80 after a police chase. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison on June 23, 1972. He died in prison on December 2, 2000, as he should have. As he should have. And, uh, you know, as we honor our heroes across America, I, I never leave out you know, our, our firemen, both paid and volunteer, and our EMTs. That respond to your homes and the ambulances, respond to the accidents on our highways and on our roadways, and uh, you know do do God's work each and every day out there. And you know today with this uptick in what's going on with our United States military now, uh, all our service members, especially current currently serving active duty right now, hopefully uh, 
you know, may God watch over you guys and gals doing what you need to do to make this country a better place and a safe place because you truly do. Just looking at some text messages, I apologize. Uh, you can call or text the show, get involved with the conversation at 570-883-0098. Um, like I said earlier, that uh, there was not supposed to be a third vote for speaker. Don't know if it's going to happen this evening. With the president speaking tonight to the nation at 8 o'clock, their timeline is I can't see them having it during that time. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, when this third vote for speaker takes place, but we definitely need to get a functioning Congress immediately, especially with this new increase of aggression where a United States Navy destroyer intercepted multiple cruise missiles fired from Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen just an hour or two ago. It was just 40 minutes ago it was reported, so probably an hour or two ago for that information to get disseminated out to us. It appears at this time that those drones, three cruise missiles and eight drones, were headed somewhere towards Israel. They weren't targeting American warships from the information that's out now. And again, this is very preliminary, but I, I think if the U.S. assets were targeted, we would know that right away. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But those that's some of the breaking news we've talked about today. And again, from earlier today in Luzerne County, if you received a mail-in ballot without a security envelope, contact your election office. Um, there is what they're saying is a small amount of envelopes went out without security envelopes. You cannot mail in your absentee ballot or mail-in ballot without a security envelope. So if you did not receive the security envelope in your absentee or mail-in ballot, call your uh, Luzerne County election bureau and let them know and you can either pick one up at their office or they will send you one or get you one so that's the some of the things we talked about earlier today it's 442 here at wilk we'll be back with the rob o'donnell show in just a minute here's the storm tracker 16 forecast from chief meteorologist kurt aaron this afternoon partly sunny high 63 tonight mostly cloudy and mild low 53 Friday, showers possible in the afternoon, high 63. Saturday, spotty showers and becoming breezy in the afternoon, high 59. Sunday, partly sunny and windy at times with a few sprinkles, high 50. It's currently 61 degrees with sun and clouds here at 443 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 448 here in the station, 61 degrees and Mostly cloudy. Did I tell you you can get us on the Odyssey app? Yep, anywhere you want to listen, you just get us on the Odyssey app. Uh, you know, we were talking about our law enforcement who made the ultimate sacrifice. We talked earlier in the week about the uh, um, the Philadelphia police officers who were shot. One was seems to appear to be shot from the back, um, stopping people who were robbing a car. As he was trying to place one in custody, one of the cohorts came up behind him and fired multiple shots. They also did take that officer's firearm, which has not yet to be recovered. Now, yesterday I had some breaking news that they arrested two of the individuals. Well, it turns out today that one of those individuals was a Scranton man and arrested in that. They announced, the, like I said, the two more arrests yesterday with connection with the airport garage shooting that killed the Philadelphia police officer, wounding another one. Now they have 
all three suspects in custody because the fourth suspect was killed, was shot. Alexander Batista Polanco, 21, of Scranton, and Hendrick Pena Fernandez, 21, of Pensacon, New Jersey, were arrested in Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively, says the first deputy commissioner, who's the acting commissioner, since Philadelphia does not have a police commissioner currently, Frank Venor, at a news conference. It was unclear if the suspects have attorneys. Really not my concern, but you know, the justice system is the justice system. No listed phone numbers for them can be found on Wednesday, and a spokesperson for the Defender Association of Philadelphia declined to comment. Third suspect, 18-year-old Yombrani Martinez Fernandez, was arrested on Monday in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and brought to Philadelphia. Authorities said uh, Martinez Fernandez is from Camden County, New Jersey, and was being held in that state on a fugitive warrant. All three suspects were charged with murder and attempted murder, according to the assistant district attorney. Fourth subject, suspect, 18-year-old Jesus Herman Madera Duran, was shot during the confrontation and died at the hospital after being dropped off by his cohorts. Officer Richard Mendez and Raul Ortiz had just started their shift at 11 p.m. last Thursday when they heard breaking glass in the parking garage at Philadelphia International Airport. A confrontation ensued and the two officers and one of the suspects were shot. Mendez, 50, who had been on the force for more than two decades, was shot four times and pronounced dead at a hospital. His handcuffs were placed on Martinez Fernandez at the time of the suspect's arrest, a symbolic practice used when officers are killed in the line of duty. Ortiz, a 20-year veteran of the force, was shot once in the arm and was released from the hospital on Saturday, thankfully. The suspects fled in an SUV reported stolen a week ago that was later seen at the hospital dropping off Madura Duran, who had been shot in the chest, abdomen, and left arm and was later pronounced dead. The addition of the three prime suspects, police are pursuing others who either assisted the suspects or tried to obstruct the investigation, they're saying. We had people burning a vehicle. We had people who helped rent hotel rooms that weren't the people staying in them. And we had people who knew where they were and didn't tell us, they said. Police believe one suspect was alone. Uh, one of the suspects alone was responsible for firing the bullets that hit the two officers and Madeira Duran, the deputy commissioner said. But he said he would, it would be up to the district attorney to confirm the information after investigation and evidence is further looked into. Someone came behind Mendez and fired the weapon, he said. Investigators are still searching for the slain officer's gun, which they don't believe was fired. So it's incredibly sad for this area, but as the two officers were arresting one of the suspects, it appears the other suspect came from behind him and opened fire, not only striking the officer several times, killing him, but striking their co-suspect multiple times injuring him they did take him to the hospital but left the officer there to die took the officer's gun took their front to the hospital dumped him off and fled we'll see what happens here but it appears that the philadelphia district attorney's office appears to be taking this extremely seriously 
We hope they do. I know the Fraternal Order of the Police. I know FOP5 that covers Philadelphia. I know them very well are on top of this. I've been in contact with them. And we will keep our eye on how this proceeds through the courts. It's uh, 4.53 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4.56 here at the station. It says high winds are moving in, hopefully not too high. It's uh, 61 degrees, cloudy outside. Again, it says strong gusty winds in about an hour. I don't know how they know they're coming in an hour, but that's what the weather's telling me here. New evidence, and again, this is coming from the Associated Press, new evidence is showing that Hamas militants likely used some North Korea weapons in the attack on Israel. Hamas fighters uh, fired North Korean weapons during their October 7th assault, plus the video and the pictures that we've seen of all the laid-out munitions that were recovered by the IDF from Hamas, including landmines, RPGs, you know, anti-personnel rockets and such. The ones that you see with the red stripe are North Korean-made. It's a very distinctive marking for um, those type of F-7 rocket-propelled grenades, they're called. But the a militant video on weapons seized by Israel showed despite Pyongyang's denials, that's North Korea's wing, that it arms the militant group, South Korea officials... Two experts on North Korean arms and the Associated Press analysis of weapons captured in the battlefield by Israel pointed towards Hamas using Pyongyang's F-7 rocket-propelled grenade, a shoulder-fire weapon that fighters typically use against armored vehicles. Now, it's typically used against armored vehicles, but North Korea has altered the Pyongyang F-7 rocket-propelled grenade to also be an anti-personnel weapon to where it fires more shrapnel than looks to penetrate you know, uh, an armored vehicle. The evidence shines light on the murky world of the illicit arms shipments that sanctioned battered North Korea uses as a way to fund its own conventional and nuclear weapons program. Rocket-propelled grenade launchers fire a single warhead and can be quickly reloaded, making them valuable weapons for guerrilla forces in running skirmishes with heavy vehicles. The F-7 has been documented in Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, and the Gaza Strip, said a weapons expert who works as the director of of, uh, consultancy Armament Research Services. So these weapons are nothing new to this area, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, and the Gaza Strip. So for North Korea to say, and they're not ours, they're very distinctive. North Korea has long supported the Palestinian militant group, and North Korea arms have previously been documented amongst interdicted supplies. Hamas has published images of their fighters with launchers and rocket-propelled grenades with distinctive red stripe across its warhead. The other design elements matching the F-7. It's also uh, not surprising to see North Korea weapons with Hamas, experts are saying. The North Korean F-7 resembles a more widely distributed Soviet-era RPG-7 rocket-propelled grenade with a few noticeable differences, which makes them distinctive, which is how we can pick them out so easily. So North Korea weapons used by Hamas to kill Israelis. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. 
It's uh, 5 o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the top of the hour.